Hello, and welcome to Irreverent Testimony, brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast by Inform Millennial and Gen Xer types from a left-wing perspective. It is Saturday, July 20th, 2019. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. And, we're um, doing it on a Saturday. We're back on a Saturday. <laughs> uh, I, this might not be a common occurrence for the no. next couple of weeks, uh, but we are here today. Yeah, so here we are, and we got lots and lots and lots to talk about. Yeah. Uh, might not follow the normal schedule of the regular stuff that's been bouncing around in the news. We might get off the beaten path a little bit. Uh, what did you want to start with? Um, I wanted to start with, first, uh, this book that I'm reading from a friend of a friend who I really love the very most. It's called Being Numerous, um, Essays on a Non-Fascist Life. Which I think we've talked about before, but I'm almost complete uh, with, and it's just wonderful. It includes things like ghost stories and like why it's kind of a boring asshole move to believe that ghosts can't exist, um, okay. and Standing Rock and Black Lives and the idea that. When violence is present in your community, um, that your reaction to that should not be seen as or interpreted as by the media as violence, but rather as a reaction to violence. Um, Re like looters and riots, right? Yeah. <clears throat> that the reaction to police violence um, sometimes includes property damage, and that those two things should not be conflated, and that. Um, property damage is not the same as killing a person. <laughs> we can all agree. Absolutely. Although course. I don't think we ever do seem to do that in the mainstream. Uh, but I think it's important. So I would just encourage you to purchase and read the book, uh, being numerous and essay or a memoir on a non-fascist life by Natasha Lenard, um, who is a friend of ours, uh, through a friend of ours. So that's there. Okay. Secondarily, um, this thing I've been avoiding because I feel old <laughs> and I don't exactly old. know what we're talking about, but it's important is okay. the murder of this 17 year old girl. She was like, I don't know, a social influencer or whatever you call it on Instagram. And she went out with a guy. To a concert mm-hmm. whom she had met online and he murdered her because she kissed another guy at Ugh. the concert and so he killed her and then he posted pictures of her dead body on Instagram Jesus Christ and then when did this happen I didn't like even hear last about this week. yeah yeah um, God almighty and then he basically told the cops, like, sort of turned himself in, but not in person, and told them he was going to kill himself, and then had her body under a green tarp, which he laid on top of when the police got to him, because he wanted to be the last person that ever owned her. This was their first date? Yeah, they'd known each other, I guess, online for a while, and they went to this concert, and she, like, kissed a guy... And then he killed her. Holy overreaction. So a lot's being said about it. Um, 
there's a lot of like old people being like, this is why the internet's bad, right? Okay. Um, but I, I had a weird week, and this falls in line with my weird week, which is I got to read the Vanity Fair article about Jeffrey Epstein, mm. and then another Atlantic article about why rape cases are never solved. Mm. And the confluence of all of that with this case is sort of like, <sighs> why it's just pretty deadly to be a woman in the world. Yeah. And in cases where it's not deadly, it's still pretty horrifying and traumatizing. And how basically nobody cares because these Instagram photos that he was sharing about her dead body went viral. Meaning that lots of people looked at her dead body and then shared it because that was, I don't know, interesting or something. She was mostly on, like, 4chan, which I don't know why young women would ever join, but she did, and... Uh, wherever you can get an audience, I guess. She sort of started this community about, like, mental health stuff, and, like, she was a 17-year-old girl who was, you know, had, like, a mental health crisis, and she, a lot of people reported, can, like, can helped we, them to, like, get help and okay. talk can, about her illness. Can we back up a little, like... Yeah. Because uh, I haven't heard anything about okay. this. So, did she have a YouTube channel? No. No, she, she was on 4chan. Okay, so she was just a 4chan, but did she And also Instagram. And, yeah. Okay, but Instagram. She, didn't, she wasn't like a, like, people are making her out to be like some sort of Kardashian, and it wasn't that at all. She just had like this sort of small, but like really close-knit community of mostly young teenage women who went there to like talk about mental health crisis and like what are you doing and who are you seeing and what are what are tactics what are things that we can do to like make ourselves better um and she had a presence on 4chan and that's where she met this guy um so i like a, a 4chan fan or follower basically asked her on a date yeah okay but they'd been well so the other thing that's important to note is that's what everyone's saying she actually knew this guy in real life um he was oh, a okay. friend of her brother's. No, they, they so they knew each yes, other. Yes, okay. they did. Right, Absolutely, different. yes. Right. They knew each other and... <laughs> Does that matter? Because people are like, oh, she met some guy online. It's well, it's right, context shaming. is important. It is, but also it's important to note like that, no, she did actually know this guy in person. And so okay. to... What we want to do in, in situations like this where young women get killed is we want to find the way that this can't happen to people we know. Right. Well, yeah. And so what we do is we look for like, oh, she was an internet celebrity and she just met some guy randomly. And it's like, no. And then you're like, oh, well, she knew the guy. Why didn't she know he was a monster? And like, so there's a lot of victim blaming going around about this 17 year old mm -hmm. girl who was murdered. Um, and none of it is appropriate. Um, she did know him. They also had interaction on 4chan and Instagram. Um, and I think for people that are of our age range, um, we need to think really carefully about how we talk about social media because there's been a lot of like boomers coming around being like, this is why the internet's terrible. You oh, know? good. Then and, you can all get off Facebook and Twitter. Right. But like... Please. This is the... Like, there's no, like, call for 
we have to teach men that women don't belong to them. Well, of course not. The call is for better security. What did Instagram do wrong? Why didn't it shut it down right, early? Right, like, right. who fucking cares? Right, and after Ted Bundy, it was all about, oh, pornography made him right. a serial killer. Right, like, stop. Killer. Yeah. Men kill women. They always That's have. That's what happens. Before the internet and before... Yep. And it's not the women's fault. Ever. Ever. In any circumstance, is it their fault? Yeah, let's. You want to go back to old times, but still fairly modern. Prohibition happened because a bunch of women yes. were just very sick of drunken men beating the crap out of them. Yes. The base. To put it in a nutshell. Basically. No, I mean, and like a lot of like people talk about the prohibitionist women as like these like teetotaling assholes that are prudes and, and just hated and everything. Yeah. And the only reason that they were against alcohol was because men were beating the shit out of them constantly. Yes. Because they were drunk. Yes. Which, you know, it's not that sober men can't perpetuate violence. Can't and don't and do often. It's Alcohol is a trigger for violence, as we know. Anybody who's lived with an alcoholic knows that. And, and we have seen that scientifically. And yeah. they were like, if we take alcohol out of the equation, is it possible that we don't get the shit beaten out of us? Let's but the, find out. But the point was, this was back before any sort of mass media or television or internet, obviously. Right. Right. So don't. You say it's the internet's fault that all of a sudden men are violent against women. That's no. ridiculous, obviously. Men have been violent against women since the beginning of time. But explain me more about the story. So she, they decide to go to a concert together? Yes. Is that what happened? Yes. Like a big outdoor festival type concert? I don't, I don't know because I'm old and so I don't, I'm not familiar with the band that they went to because I don't know who that oh, is. Oh, it was just a band show. It wasn't like an EDM festival. No, no, no. It was just a show that they went to. And Okay, uh, now, now here's some more important context. Was this a date date or was it like, let's go to this concert together, Are friend. you 17? Because I think their definitions of those things are very different from ours. It, they, well, well. Right? Hold on. Everybody's definitions are different. Our definition would be way different, right? Yes. But I'm saying in the context of I'm tr- trying to subjectively... Uh, objectively picture your average 17 year olds and again this is not assigning blame this is just me trying to understand the context of right. what happened so so they they went to this concert together or they went on a date to a concert together I don't know if that's ever going to be clear or, or if it really matters but I'm it, just or curious if it really matters I mean I think they went on a date okay um, the bottom line is ostensibly one of them said hey Let's go to this concert together. Fine. They went. She meets another guy she knows there or maybe just meets some guy for the first time and they are making out and this guy sees that. Um, right. We don't have the details of whether it was clandestine and he, he watched them from afar or he I was mean, right in front of him. What we know for what. certain is that they weren't in any sort of like committed monogamous long-term relationship. Right? Okay, well, I guess that was kind of so, my, like, my that was kind of my question. Like... And uh, even if you are, that's not an excuse for hey, murdering listen. someone. Hey, listen, I let me. I, this is why I ask, right? I've been that guy who've asked, "Hey, Jenny, will you want to go with me to the show at the warehouse right. on Saturday?" Sure, I'll go, and this is cool because I have a crush on Jenny. And then an hour into it, she's making out with the, some other guy, and it's like, "Well, that sucks," right? Right. Like uh, it's happened. Uh, now, if if Jenny is my girlfriend and we've been going steady for six months, and I take her there, and then she's making out with some other guy, like, ooh, that is rough. And obviously, I'm not going to get violent or crazy about it, but 
I might say, hey, what the fuck? I'm going home. You're on your own. Like, <laughs> you're going to murder her? Of course not. But like context is important. She deserves to be murdered. Context is important in understanding the story. And so okay. I want to understand the story. All right. Well, let me read to you some from this HuffPost article to get a better idea. Okay. Because a lot of people thought she was like some sort of internet celebrity. And then this is just like, that's not true. She like had this very small supportive group of people who... Um, she was helping. Well, she's like, a celebrity now that she's been murdered. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Right? Because that's how we operate. Um, okay. She was from Utica, New York. Okay. She loved cats. Okay. Um, her friends, most of whom she'd never met in real life, gathered on her server on Discord, a messaging app for gamers to discuss to discuss true crime, talk about cryptozoology, play Minecraft, and dish about their daily plans because they're seven fucking teen. So they talk about like Bigfoot and shit while playing games online because yeah, that's what kids Discord, do. they're trying to clean it up, but Discord's also a haven for white supremacists and awful people. But that's well, a different separate story. That's that's not her, right? No, this, obviously. This human Clearly. being, right. right? She had right. a hard time in school, she had a lot of anxiety, but online, unexhibited uninhibited by her anxiety, her creativity shown. She sent her friends silly homemade videos set to music and posted artistic selfies with quirky compositions. Her face surrounded by skulls and bats or paired with ironic text. She often switched up her look, experimenting with pink hair and dramatic makeup, which the media loves because it's like, oh, then she's troubled somehow. Troubled girl. If she colors her hair, which 50% of all the women her age are doing. Right. Women I work with, right? She liked modeling, but her long term plan was to get a degree in psychology so she could help adolescents with mental illness, which she struggled with herself. Okay. So she was attending a community college. Okay. Uh, on Saturday, two weeks after her high school graduation, she headed to New York City to see one of her favorite singers, um, which this article wants to just be an asshole, whose dark songs tackle self-harm and depression. Um, she invited a handful of people from her group chat, but ended up only going with one, Brandon Clark, 21. Okay, see, that's much diff- that is a much, much different context. They went to the show, driving several hours there and back again in one night. He was one of her friends in real life. He lived about an hour from her. On Discord, he mostly posted about, quote, macabre stuff and murder suicides, said Bianca's friend Jared, 18. None of her online friends wish to use their real names as this article, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, so this guy, Jared, who was talking to the HuffPost, uh, after the show, went online and found images of her body her dead body um the image was posted under this guy clark who went with her and he posted under her image sorry fuckers you're going to have someone else have to find someone else to orbit on his own social media accounts he was busy telling a story seemingly calculated for maximum exposure he uploaded pictures of himself and bianca's body and declared his intention to kill himself As police arrived to apprehend him on a secluded street in Utica, he continued to snap photos and post them online. He even left a message at the scene. Police said the words, May you never forget me, were spray-painted on the pavement, an apparent reference to a manga about a toxic relationship that he liked. So then the rest of the article is basically about, like, how Instagram fucked that up, um, and... Anyway, so they were at this concert. She was making out with another guy. He got super upset about it, and then he killed her. Jesus. So, so this but, is a story that, like, 
intertwines like young kids on the internet, mm-hmm. incels. Mm-hmm. Um, well, was this guy an incel? I mean, he's certainly acting like one, but I, we, I, we don't, I don't know. And the article doesn't go into that. Um, a lot of people are saying that like whether or not he was like his apparent rejection from her was enough for him to fucking murder her. God. To literally murder a 17-year-old girl because she may have been interested in someone other than him. Which goes into, like, toxic masculinity, but also, like, toxic monogamy culture. Yeah. You know? Certainly. Um, Yeah, it's also possible that maybe, you know, you can like at 17 like more than one guy or girl or whoever you're into and want to kiss more than one in the same night it's it's not like that big a deal somebody agreed to go on a date with you doesn't mean that you own them if someone agrees to go on a date with you it means that they're interested in finding out if they want to date you more or maybe just that night they've decided they're going to hang out with you yeah but it doesn't mean that you own them no and that a betrayal occurs when you decide to like kiss some other boy such that they end up murdered. Well, I want to go back again a little bit because the context sounds much different here. It sounds like, hey, group, let's let's all meet up. And this was the only guy that could. Yes, or did. Or did. Yeah, so wanted to. It was, so it wasn't even a date. Right. Appearing... From what I can read, appearingly, no. It was a, this is a band that, like, our little closed group is all a fan of. Let's go. He's the only guy that could go. Just him and her. They went. She, like, met some dude she liked, kissed him, and he, like, flew into a violent rage and killed her. God. And then posted pictures of it everywhere, and then started self-harming and put himself on top of her body to be like, I will be the last man to have her. That is she is certainly mine. a disturbed individual. And I shudder to ask, but is this sort of thing now the incel community is reposting it and excited about it? And Yeah. Like that's, I guess, what we were going to talk yeah. about next. Yeah, that's where it went. So it got shared hundreds of thousands of times. Um, well, her dead body, yeah. first of all, but then also like the following pictures of him on the tarp that covered her dead body with his message of like she is mine and like all of this stuff right um was like a victory for some apparently well let's talk about the the tech logistics of this because i remember with the new zealand shooting facebook and other platforms took fire for not killing the live stream fast enough or not taking down recordings right. of it there's definitely that component here so instagram is where he posted this it was not video it was pictures as far as i can tell yeah i didn't see any of these so if i'm wrong about this like please let us know but this is what i'm reading from the various articles i've read today mm-hmm. um that wasn't video it was pictures um but he was like obsessively doing it like while the police were getting there just to like make sure that shot got on instagram um, Instagram was super slow to take it down, even though it was like something that had been widely reported as like, hi, there's a dead girl that's being shared. Her dead body is being shared. Can you please make this stop? And they like, it took them like, I don't know, over 24 hours to be like, oh, 
that's a thing that probably shouldn't be on that's Instagram. that's unacceptable in this day and age especially like i said after that experience we had with the new zealand shooter like you need to have like a 24 7 uh ombudsman ready to you know address these Look, sort of if things if amanda palmer is getting taken down because they think that her pasties over her nipples aren't quite enough <laughs> god then a dead body of a 17-year-old girl who was murdered, I feel like that's a thing you can fucking find. If Amanda Palmer is getting policed because of nudity within, like, hours of posting a picture, where she, by the way, you know, does all the things you're supposed to do, Mm -hmm. a fucking body of a dead girl posted by her murderer is probably something you can fucking find and deal with much quicker than you did. So whatever your bots are doing, whatever the thing is that you think you're doing that's right, which is finding nipples, maybe find dead girls before nipples. Yeah. Maybe that. Yeah. Yeah, you would think in the age of mass shootings and school shootings and, you know, that they'd be more on top of this kind of stuff, but apparently not. Okay. So I just wanted to talk about that because there's a lot of, I guess the other thing I want to say about it, which is the horrifying thing, is... um. The backlash. So backlash to who or what? When these like hundred or two hundred thousand reshares got shared, this is why people are connecting it to the incel community, mm-hmm. which is the vast majority of people who were resharing the photos of her dead body were people who were slut shaming her and talking about how she deserved it. Slut shaming for what? What did she do that they determined to be slutty? Oh, because she kissed some guy at a concert? Yeah. Oh, God. And, well, she thought she was so hot, but she's just a cunt. And she thought she was this, but now look at her. This is where she deserves that kind of thing. Is Is why I think a lot of people went back and went, what the fuck, right? Because almost all of them were just like, well, this is what you get, girls. Look at this. Do you want to be this next? Don't be so slutty. Like, taunting, victim-blaming, slut-shaming horribleness happened. Along with the sharing of her literal dead body. Um, And... (sighs) That's the part where I'm like, I hate the internet. (laughs) I know. I mean, I do. I I love it, but I also fucking hate it. Like, you see one or two people post that, right? And you're like, well, that girl didn't. Like, she did some. And then you just get, like, it's it's a radicalization in the wrong way sort of mechanism of, like... Maybe she was a slut. Maybe she did deserve to be dead. And well, then, they, then it's just this fire that just fuels itself. It's among these groups of people, right, that there's a big competition of who can be the biggest edgelord, who can, you know, be the most outlandish, crazy, not giving yeah, a fuck about anything. but that's a small group of people. But the people who see that stuff, right, mm-hmm. that it got to, like, a couple hundred thousand reshares, it's not just that edgelord assholes right it's people who feel like girls don't like them or people who feel like whatever right like girls are sluts they've been they've been taught this this ideology about women and then this just is like well everyone says this is okay Mm. everyone's on board with this she probably deserved it and we're in this place where you know 
president of the United States is probably involved in a, a child rape uh, trafficking situation. And so it's we're we're way back to where like women are literally not people. She's not a person. You don't share someone's dead body online and say something like she probably deserved it. What a slut. Unless you consider women to be not human, not the same. Yeah. And that's the really, I mean, all of it's really upsetting, right? Like, this girl was murdered um, for no reason. But then, like, the stuff that happens after is almost worse because it's like, Wow, like we're not even, she's not even a person. She's just some slut like all the other sluts. And it being normalized in this way to just be able to kill someone because they didn't want you or they maybe wanted someone else and you or it's fine. And it, I don't know, it's really upsetting. And like, it's really tough to be a lady this week. Like, it's really tough. Well, let's get into what you uh, what you mentioned. I mean, we got into some of the Epstein stuff yeah. last episode, but... Vanity Fair piece came out. Um, it's not a particularly long one, either. I, I was expecting a sort of long-form piece, but it wasn't. And it just talked about the, <clears throat> the sort of paranoia... Um, that's happening in Washington, D.C., and New York City, and uh, Palm Beach. Um, With these cir- social circles yes. that Epstein has yeah. run in. Yeah, yeah. It appears from this article they have uncovered that it appears that um, there will be a very wide net with a lot of very famous people and a lot of very rich, let's be honest, very famous rich white men that absolutely... Um, knew about and or participated in Jeffrey Epstein's child sex trafficking ring. I'm not convinced we're going to hear of that many names. So there's a 2,000 page document that will be released next week because lawyers are fun and there's a civil suit being brought to Jeffrey Epstein. Mm -hmm. And so that has a different level of discovery. By discovery that means like it can be made public. Because it's not like a grand jury, so it's sealed, right? So, but the, um, a judge can can choose to seal or unseal whatever they want. That's though. true, absolutely. Um, and that, but it, but that, this document, let's just be clear, um, can be sealed by a judge, and also has already been leaked to reporters. <laughs> fair, but uh, right, but look, like it's going to come out one way or the other. Yeah, but look, yeah. whatever parts of this two thousand page document can be redacted, and they could there could be deals made, there could be. Yep. I am I, not yep. convinced that the most rich and powerful right. among those guilty right. are going to be exposed. I agree. There's a funny way of yep. where that happens where Absolutely. they get protected, yep. even in the courts, yep. even in... 100%. Yeah. Um, the way that, you know, Acosta should have resigned, he should never have made that fucking deal in the first place, but also it's important to note that George W. Bush went to him and said um, he is protected by intelligence which to me means FBI, CIA, so he's a confidential informant for somebody. No, that's not what Bush said. But Bush wanted Prince Andrew protected. Well, that too. 
But he was, Acosta was told he's protected by intelligence. Yeah, but I don't think it was Bush that told him that. I think somebody else told him that. I don't think they named oh, who maybe that's said true. that. The, the Bush thing. I could be getting that and, wrong. And they, they didn't name Bush specifically, but they said the Bush administration said, and this was during the Iraq war where mm-hmm. really Britain mm-hmm. was our main ally. Right. And it was right. like, we, we can't fracture, which I don't know about outing a pedophile, or not, I'm sorry to use the word, but a... Child rapist? Child rapist uh, royal would have fucked up the... Iraq war? Uh, yeah, the, no. the Iraq war coalition. But this was the thinking was at the, the time. Ex- that was the excuse that was the used, excuse, yeah. Right? And um, so it's very clear that that happened and that that person was protected. It's very clear that somebody was told, like, you can't touch him. Um, the Hillary Clinton campaign went back through the security logs for her husband to find out exactly how much time and and where her husband spent with Jeffrey Epstein because they have a very well-known close relationship. Um, I, you and I are differing on this. I don't have any, I would not be shocked in any way if Bill Clinton was wrapped up in this. Um, I'm not saying I would be shocked either. I'm just saying there's, there's not... A whole lot of evidence that points to an interaction with him, other than him his flying on Epstein's worried. plane. His wife was worried. Well, his it, his wife was was worried about what that was going to look like. Certainly, mm. the right now, look, the, right now, the only evidence, the pretty good evidence we have for people directly involved in the actual child rape part of this Epstein thing are, are Dershowitz and Trump. And maybe Prince Andrew, because there's been a lot of smoke about him. Definitely. Now, I certainly think there's more people involved. But all I'm saying is right now, there's not necessarily a whole lot of smoking gun evidence to say, well, this guy was definitely a part of that, or that guy was definitely a part of that. Right. Yes. And I don't want to get ahead of ourselves on that. That is true. And I think we better strap in. And prepare ourselves for the idea that some of our, to some people, beloved um, politicians, and I don't know if anyone beloves, like, bank CEOs or, like, (laughs) you know what I mean? But, like, some some really, really prominent people are going to be tied up in this. To the point where this Vanity article... Or Vanity Fair article points out like there is so much anxiety happening. In sure, and, and our point is it won't. They won't all just be in the Trump orbit. No, no, absolutely not. This is not a plenty Trump will, problem. plenty will. No, but this it, is they not the point of all. This. Just be. This is this has to me nothing to do with Donald Trump. I mean, he's going to be wrapped up in it. I believe that, and I know it fully. And I don't. I mean, that's a thing that's going to happen. I don't know if it matters because we, I already know that. There will be people that will be shocking to some people that this is what's happening. Yeah. That this has been happening, that this could be a thing that's even possible. It's almost beyond the pale, right? It's almost like there can't be just like all these white men raping children. That's too crazy. Yeah. Right? It's weir- and it's like, <laughs> no. It's weirdly ironic that the, the QAnon people are probably half right. Yeah. <laughs> in that a lot of people are about to get busted, only it's not going to be like John Podesta and the secret place. walnut sauce thing. No. But it's going to be a lot of prominent people, and it's going to be people from certainly different ideologies and both sides of the aisle. And yes, it's I believe that. It's going to come down to really, really rich and powerful white men. 
and it, it doesn't matter how they feel about climate change, right? Or like right. anything else. It comes down to, and I've been trying to parse this together for the last week of like, what makes someone want to do that? What what makes what compels you to want to rape a child? And I'm at a loss. We've discussed this. Yeah. Like, and I just... I've asked the men in my life, and they don't know because none of them are powerful beyond measure, right? And I think what it comes down to, the only answer that I can seem to come to that makes any sense is once you get to that level of power and privilege, we have so much money, and, and you've already proven like you can do literally anything, right? Chappaquiddick and like Mm -hmm. you can derail the entire economy you can tank the housing market you can do whatever you want and literally you personally will have no ill effects nothing bad will happen to you there will be no consequences for you the company you work for sure maybe some underlings maybe that's a maybe. But you personally, nothing bad's ever happened to you. Nothing bad can happen to you. You become a part of this like bubble. And so maybe the next step is like, how much can I actually get away with? And do you think to yourself, can I get away with raping a child? And I don't know why you want to do that. I don't know why your brain goes there or how. But it seems to be that that's what happened to a lot of them. Is they well, were just like, fuck it, why not? I, well, I think it's more of the fuck it, why not? I don't... Some of these men may have sought it out, or they might have just been palling with Epstein. Yeah. And Epstein said, "Hey, look what I can do for you. Look at that pretty girl. Look, She's gonna blow you. Look what I can go in that for room." You. And, and you're I just go, like, "Okay, why not? yeah, why not? I'm- why not?" Is like, why? Can you imagine? I would be like, "Is she okay? What is? Why is she here? Is she doing this? What? How old is she? Is she doing this? What is happening right now?" You just put me in a room with a girl that's supposed to, like, quote, massage me, and I'm supposed to just be like, and then I'm going to rape her? Like, what is happening right now is what I would do. Yeah. Right? In that situation, like, this is fucking crazy. What is going on? Is she okay? What's going on? How old is she? Is she doing this? Like, what, what, what? But that's not the, like, mindset of these men. Well, they just went in and were like, oh, ha, ha, ha. No, and Jeffrey Epstein and Donald Trump, I'm sure, have a radar for not bringing those type of people into their orbits. Right. And I think that, like, a lot of people have, like, made that clear or tried to, and who knows if it's true, but, like, yeah. um, Zuckerberg was like, I met him once at a dinner. Elon Musk said the same Elon thing. Elon Musk yeah. was like, I didn't introduce anybody to him because I don't know him, and he invited me to his island and I declined. Which, again, I'm going to bring this up again Could be and again, true, could not be true. Because I think it's important to note, for Donald Trump especially, but for all of these men, um, I find it really hard to imagine, having worked in politics for a short time, uh, if you think women are gossipy, right? Like It's like a sewing circle. Everybody knows everything about everybody. Mm-hmm. It's not, there's no really secrets. It's just the secrets you keep and the secrets you don't. Um, So I find it really hard to believe that people like, I don't know, Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg declined to go to his island because they didn't feel like it. They declined to go to his island because they knew for sure that there were underage sex slaves there. And otherwise, why? Well, because if it will, okay. Let's assume Elon Musk is telling the truth when he says, I didn't really know the guy. If some jackass hedge fund guy, and you're already Elon Musk, so you don't need 
you are the Jeffrey Epstein of your own circle, right? Yeah. And some guy, some dude, some jackass New Yorker hedge fund guy is like, hey, I got a private island. You could check it out, man. You'd just be like, oh, no, I'm good. Like, if you're taking it, if you're taking Elon Musk at his word when he said, I didn't really know the guy, that's totally plausible. That he didn't, he didn't know anything about child sex slaves or whatever. Right. But, if he does know a little bit more about Epstein, he's like, no, I'm not going to your kitty sex island. I'm not doing that thing. Gross. Uh, then the then the question is, does Elon Musk have a moral obligation to say Did something? Did he have a moral obligation to say something? Yes. Did he not? Because he never went and he didn't really know, but there were definitely rumors and he chose not to go to that island because like those rumors were kind of pervasive and he was like, I don't need to fuck children. Yeah. And but, I don't want to be involved. But again, look, and I'm no fan of Elon Musk. He, no, he can die asshole. in a fire, but like, again... I don't. I don't think we should um, make make uh, like assumptions based on not a whole lot. The only connection we know, and it came up in in an article we read, is that Ep- Epstein and Elon Musk or Elon Musk supposedly had Epstein shake hands with uh, Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg at an event. That's it. They would. There was nothing about the, him flying on planes with them or hanging out with them or doing any of that shit. So, in Elon Musk's defense, there, there's not really anything there other than they were in a room together once. So, I, I don't want to put Elon Musk on trial for just having been in a room with the guy one time because that's all we got right now. That's all we got. Now, it may come to light that there's a lot more involvement with Elon Musk or Mark Zuckerberg or, you know, people we really do like. I mean, but... I'm trying to stick to what we know right now. That that's that's all I'm saying. Okay. So you know, again, I there, there's no well, we can we can do this. We can we can make a case for protecting all of these rich white men and assuming everybody doesn't do anything and didn't know anything and everybody's safe because we don't really know and we can do that and that's fair. I'm not putting him on trial. I'm not a prosecutor. I'm saying enough people fucking knew and enough people were involved that it is unimaginable to me that people didn't know. Well, that's what and I'm going to that's what I want to get to next. I because I'm wh- not protecting these fucking men. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to assume the best because I don't assume the best when it's somebody like this who's so prolific and it was so well known. I, I find it impossible to believe that people just didn't know. That your fucking assistant wasn't like, by the way, you can go to this dinner tonight, but this guy fucking rapes children. Well, we knew about it 10, 15 years ago. So I'm I'm finding a real hard spot here of defending guys like Elon Musk, who have so much more access than I do, and so much more privilege, and, he may, and that he yeah. didn't know. And Epstein may have donated to Tesla yeah. or whatever, but so like, or had no, stock I'm in finding it. a really hard time defending these men. They can, if they, they can defend themselves. Prove I'm not, yourself I'm not, to be a person who didn't know. Fine. Hold on, Until it, then, it, it's not about no. defending anybody. It's just we don't necessarily have to jump ahead with facts we don't have. Like it. it Look, it could certainly come to light that there's way more involvement with a Mark Zuckerberg or an Elon Musk. But right now, all we've got is that they they knew each other. Like, they were in a room together once. That's all we got. That's all I'm saying. Yep. And in terms of, well, we're both contending that the very rich and powerful men might 
use their influence to keep their names out of released court documents and such. I think the extent of who, how many people knew and still worked with the guy who took his money anyway, I think that's going to be harder to conceal. And that's going to be just as ugly in, in a sense, in, as far as I'm concerned. Like, let's say hypothetically... You knew you didn't do anything. You're an accessory to the rape of children. Let's say hypothetically Joe Congressman from either party and... Epstein, this is after Epstein has already gotten his sweetheart deal with Acosta, so we all know what he was doing and what he was guilty of. And then you're taking money from him. That's that's bad. That's horrific. The other interesting piece is that no one can figure out exactly why he has so much money. Yeah, yeah. That's one that Kegro is trying to unravel. That I would, I would contend is not unrelated to his trafficking of pretty white teenagers. I would we don't say know that. you're probably right. We don't know anything, but we know that this dude is super well-connected. Everybody knows him. He doesn't appear to have any financial dealings anywhere. His stated well, job is a consultant, but she only got that because he already had all this money and well, they well, assumed that he like did something good oh, with it. Here's here's a story. Right? I, here's a story. It's very weird. He's a high school teacher. Yes. He he quits that. Uh-huh. He disappears for a short time and then reemerges as a hedge fund guy or a money manager who will only take clients with a billion dollars. Yep. And when you're a nobody and nobody knows you, why would someone with Why a would you dollars do that? come to you what that doesn't make any sense but that is the story and and it's like how connect the fucking dots i yeah yeah there but at the time there were only 20 billionaires in the world i think or maybe less and like a handful and are are they so either he's blackmailing them Mm. or He's providing them with a service that no one else is providing under intense discretion and with the ability to make sure that they never get caught. (laughs) And so they just let him. I mean, this sounds crazy, but this is not on. This is exact. This is what I think happened. Really? Like, like, like I'm serious. There's you don't become a teacher and then you become a hedge fund manager of billionaires without something, right? Yeah, it doesn't make any and sense. And the fact that this is a thing that he did and that like all these rich and famous white men came to him for that we're going to maybe find out about and maybe not. And the fact that like those same people also invested their money with him, like I think it's a very easy equation to say it's really likely that either he's blackmailing them or they he provided them a service they wanted and and he they trusted him. And so he, I think either way, it's sort of like some degree of blackmail. I, I don't think he extorted a bunch of rich and powerful people because you're only gonna get away with that for so long. But I definitely no, he just was like the madam, right? Right, and then the like pimp. yeah, the pimp, the pimp to the most rich, most famous, most powerful in the world, and he could provide them some degree of discretion. And even after he got caught, he did nothing. Eighteen months with. 
nothing on his record. No one else was revealed, and they all were like, "That's our guy." He's got. That's our fucking guy. Yeah. He said the thing, and then he did it. And the fact that he's like, "Oh, he's with intelligence." Like, I don't know what that means, but what it means to me is like this fucking nobody, who is a known child sex trafficker, got a lot of really rich white men to give him a lot of money for no reason that we can tell. And the only reason I can come up with is this. And then when he, even when he got caught, like no one else, no one. Look, if he, if he has the goods on very powerful foreign leaders, like sure he could be an intelligence asset. Yeah. Absolutely. And then they just let him continue to do this because young girls don't actually matter. No, no, they're pawns. Uh, we're we're, we're going to learn so much more about this and what he was up to. And, uh, it should be pretty horrifying. All right, we're yeah, going to take a break. It's going to be awful. When we come back, we'll talk about more about Trump's racism. Oh, yeah. And um, some other stuff. So don't go anywhere. Be right back. Back to Reverend Testimony. So, uh. I guess we have to talk about the elephant in the room, yeah? Hey, that's not very nice. Rigsby's been losing some weight. <laughs> so, Donald Trump's a racist, in case you guys didn't know. When we podcasted on Wednesday, did, did he. Where were we in the. Genesis of all this. He had just made the comments, right? I think so. Okay, so we know that exactly. the comments he made about the so-called squad, the four freshman congresswomen. Uh, all Rash- women of color. Rashida Tlaib, AOC, Ilan Omar, and Presley. I forget her first name. Ayanna. Ayanna Presley. Um, and this they is... They had responded, I think. And they had re- and just they, said, like, we're getting on to the business of fucking Congress. Yeah. And then yeah. he had a rally, I think that same night or the next night. Yeah. And at this rally, he started digging into just Omar because he doesn't yeah. really have specific beefs with the other three. He just kind of lumps them all together. Them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess he he, uh, he did quote Tlaib, who said, I'm going to be this president's worst nightmare. 
Um, she said, I'm going to impeach the motherfucker. Well, he, yeah, he, she said that too. That was before she got elected. That was before she got elected. Yeah. But in any event, um, so he... Uh, Elon Omar seems to be like the, the sort of focus of his ire. And why not? She wears a, a, a hijab and she is... You know, an immigrant has an accent, and she's a Somali immigrant, mm-hmm. and she's a naturalized citizen, and so she's a great target, right? Yep. And very cynically, he uses the uh, anti-Semitism thing. I'll get, I'll get to I'll, that. Yeah, being the Jew, we're gonna have a discussion about that. Well, I would like to. Yeah, let's just get to this first. Okay, so basically he he's got this rally i think the very next night or the same night they make their comments in north carolina and he's he's goes and bitches about omar says she's just horrible she's terrible and she's she anti-semitic and she hates america and they start saying the, the crowd starts crowd. chanting mm-hmm. send her back send, send her, her back. back uh not quite sure if it was they started organically or if one of the trump handlers got them going on it or but but in any event Unclear. he he Who sat cares? back and basked in it mm-hmm. and you know didn't mm-hmm. quiet the crowd or anything and then moved on to whatever and um, you know it's their version of lock her up is now send her back yes now we re- which does to me seem a little bit like uh, I don't know not organic Pro- probably not like, but a little bit like I don't know convenient. Here's the here's the <laughs> thing, right? It doesn't There's, matter, really. Republicans and conservatives, for a minute or two, tried to gaslight us by saying, yes. "A, that's not racist," or "B, he he just meant go back to their districts." Mm-hmm. Of course, the problem with that is his tweets said they need to go back to their country. Yes. <laughs> so that's a, b, every person of color just basically flooded all of the news and social media saying we know what the fuck that means and you know what that means so cut the shit yep and I don't even think they're trying with that argument anymore no and then he came out and said uh, someone asked him about it and he was like I think I didn't like it and I, I disavow. I, I, I think I did shut it down I could have let them keep going but I started talking almost immediately and then you're like, you know, there's video of that, right? Yeah, <laughs> the vid- just video with this the guy fact that that's not what happened. doesn't matter anymore. Um, and so became the new version of the conversation of is Donald Trump racist? And then we get to spin our wheels and discuss among white people whether or not that's racist or well, he's racist or is he racist or this, is that racist? This is the MSNBC pattern, right? And I bitch about this all day because uh, my work schedule is I'm home and then I'm out and then I'm home a little bit more. So I get to watch some MSNBC daytime mm-hmm. and it's infuriating and it's raising my blood pressure dangerously and I don't know why I do it. <laughs> I just shouldn't do it. But this is the pattern, right? And I got into it with Charlie Sykes. If you don't know who Charlie Sykes is, you can look him up. But to his credit, he engages with me and banters with me online. So great whatever but he's but i i don't want to single them out because they all do this this is the pattern on msnbc whatever host it is if daytime andrea mitchell craig melvin steve kornacki they cover what it what the racist thing trump said today mm-hmm. and then the first person to speak is some usually a white man yep usually a cast off Never Trump Republican yeah. guy. Yep, that's their favorite. Yeah, not always yeah. that, but usually that. It doesn't matter because they always say the same thing. 
and they say, you know, there is there, this is this is just what Trump wants, and don't think that this might not really work with his base, and and you know, it's that Samuel shtick. Like, this seems crazy, but it might be crazy enough to work. I'm so savvy, politically savvy. Right. I have to give you. I this have angle. the inside game. I yeah. have the angle because I'm a I'm a, a pundit. Right, and then yeah. next. And for whatever reason, they always have to speak second mm-hmm. to the white guy, a mm-hmm. woman of color, whether it's Zerlina. Imagine why that might be, Trev. Right. Whether it's Zerlina Maxwell or um, you know some of the other great women of color that they have on MSNBC goes, why are we even talking about how this plays politically? The president of the United States was just overtly racist. That is something we need to discuss. Yes. Fuck politics. Correct. And then it's back to the that white guy. correct. And then it's back to the white guy who says... Oh, oh well, of course, oh, yes. Well, yeah, yes. yeah, but... But if we're talking about politics, it really does work with his base. And you're like, no, go back to what she fucking said. Normalizing the president being overtly racist is what we should be talking about. Yes. And not whether or not the 30% of Americans who support him this will work for. It is about saying that is not an okay thing to say. Yeah. It's not okay. It's not okay to normalize it. It's not okay to talk about it in a horse race terms. It's not okay to do that. A friend of ours once said, I think people who are super into politics and also like sports are people who are the least trustworthy. Oh, no. Is that me? Well, (laughs) I mean, you do like sports. (laughs) But you did a really good job here of not doing that, which is it's not about the fucking horse race. It's not about politics. It's about the president of the United States being racist openly and overtly without question and talking about it as though it's who scored more goals and who got yeah. more, you know, yeah, it's whatever the, it's the sports Chris, ball Chris terms. approach to politics. It's not okay. Just how are the optics? How is it going to play? Right. That's, that's, that worked for a long time before now. Because that's the way, because we had normal people right. running for government. Right. Right now, that's not a thing we can do anymore. And we have to stop doing it. We have to stop. We can't. We can't. And and yeah. I think it was NPR came out with this thing saying, we don't like to use the word racist. It's just so, yeah, it's just, it's just really inflammatory. Oh, is it? And I'm just like, yeah, this is your problem. You can't, you are not equipped to cover what's happening right, right. now. And can I just say like, for all of the people of color who may or may not listen to this show, but that I know and I love, I'm so sorry that we continue to have the conversation in the media about whether or not he's... you. We've all known since the fucking escalator that he's racist, right? He comes down the escalator and says that Mexicans are sending rapists and drug dealers to our borders. Mm-hmm. From that very moment... Unless it wasn't already clear, he's a racist. And so our sort of hand-wringing and the media's hand-wringing about using that term is so fucking insulting to everyone out there who's like, obviously he's racist. Yeah. I mean, what what do you need? What is it? What is the thing that needs to happen that people just go, nope, he's a racist? What, they, they're very unclear. What, what do you need? What is exactly... When he literally it? says the N-word? I don't know. 
And they're like, well, there might be tapes of that. And it's like, who fucking cares? That won't change anything. 17 things have happened that prove he's racist. Why are we hand-wringing about this? It's so frustrating. If if that tape came out tomorrow, the the secret uh, from The Apprentice era, it would be two N-word things. tape, yeah. Right. One, either say it's fake or Lindsey Graham would say, oh, that was such a long time ago. Why are <laughs> right. we talking about these things from so long ago? Right. You know, that's what right. they would say. Now, I want to go to the whole anti-Semitic... Yeah, I want to talk about this because it's being used as this sort of bludgeon against progressives. Well, it, it, what drives me crazy racism. is la- everybody forgets about this, but last week, Trump had a, a carnival of goofy-ass alt-right personalities, many of them virulently anti-Semitic, on the fucking South Lawn of the White House so they could have a summit of how social media was mean to them. Right. So fuck you. Secondly, if if you need a reminder, Ilan Omar said some things that were not meant to be anti-Semitic. They were meant to be anti the government of Israel and their policy and Bibi Netanyahu. Correct. But seen in a certain light and the way they came out, they were kind of problematic. And you know what she did? She apologized. Yeah. She apologized for the use of words. She apologized for the use of language. She came clean. She disavowed it. She, she learned a she little learned bit. She learned a lesson. Yeah. She learned a little bit. And it is possible to be both pro-two-state solution and pro-Palestinian and also not anti-Semitic. It is possible to believe that the government of Israel is really problematic in their treatment of the citizens of Palestine and also not feel like the Jewish people in Israel are to be exterminated or like any anti-Semitic feeling about them at all. It's very possible to hold those two things at once. Yes, and most American Jews do that very are not well. pro Netanyahu, and they right. are certainly not Republican. Like they they they're trying to perpetuate this myth. And again, it's it's one of these things where like Trump did this thing just yesterday, and fucking Kanye and Kim Kardashian praised him. He did this very cynical thing where this this rapper was arrested in Sweden under uh, like sketchy circumstances. Okay. And he's like, "Well, I'm going to talk to the prime minister of Sweden and see about getting him released." And it's like, "How fucking cynical can you be? You think we don't know what you're doing?" And like everybody knows that black people will see right through it, but this is every time someone like Trump does this and says, you know, "Oh, see, look, I like black people." It's so he can get white people to say, oh, no, look, see, he's not racist. Right. Because black people aren't buying it. Well, no. And I think the more problematic part of this for me is that, like, the use of anti-Semitic to counter anti-racism is a new thing that the Republican Party is doing and conservatives are doing. Yeah. Where it's like, you called me racist and then I get to call you anti-Semitic and then that's that's the new battle. Like, and it's so cynical. And it's, it's because and American Jews, like there was a really good piece from, I think it was Amy, Amy Vanderpool in mm-hmm. GQ who talked about this exactly and just said like this, this weaponizing of anti-Semitism to combat accusations of racism is super shitty yes and super annoying and Jews are not in well well at it, all it, it's cynical right because when Trump gets up there and he says 
oh, we really don't like that Ilan Omar because look at how anti-Semitic she is. Anti-American and anti-Semitic. Like, right? you think anybody, including Trump, believes that is what is spurring them to start yelling, send, send her, back? her back? No. Please. But it's really convenient because everybody can be against the Holocaust. <laughs> right? Now, when you point out to them that, like, Anne Frank died of typhus, right? Died of negligence and unclean conditions in a concentration camp before they were death camps. They don't have much to say about that. This administration coddles Holocaust deniers, so I don't, I don't want to hear about that. Correct. It's garbage. But if we want to talk about racism, we can just be like, well, you hate Jews. And all the Jews that I know, you included, are like, hold on, where did we get... Wait, hold on. No. Like... You don't get to hate black people in the name of loving Jews. Well, I've discussed this before. Uh, over the past 20 years or so, the the hard right, because the hard right used to hate Jews in Israel, just they were naked about it. Right. Now they've realized the utility of Israel in their fight with the Muslim world. Right. And secondly, the crazy evangelicals see Israel yes. as the site of the start Second of the coming. rapture, whatever. Right, that whole thing. Yeah, so... But, like, enough Jews need to be in Israel in order for the second coming to happen. Something and so, like, like that, we need yeah. to like observe the state of Israel and have as many Jews there and fuck everybody else. Cause all the Jews have to go there and then like, you're not coming with them. Right. <laughs> like they need all of yeah. you in one place so that you can go. So when the rapture away. comes, they, they can all either convert or go to hell. I don't know that you get that option. I, I think that you just go to hell, but you, they need you in like a concentrated mass yes. in one place so that their Jesus can come back and save them. But you guys are fucked. Right. It's like, um, a, it's like a Rube Goldberg device. Yeah, yeah. 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 So you guys like they they don't actually have your best interest at heart. No. Obviously. No. But like even in their like weird fantasy of the rapture, you guys are still just like fucked. Oh, no. We're, you're, can, we're you're like cannon fodder. You're the people that Jesus. Yeah, we're cannon So fodder. like you are the first to go. Go to hell with the guy and, I don't know, burn forever or whatever. And then, like, at least we got all of them, that's you, in one place so that we could, like, rapture up to heaven where everybody's I, I think we do have an opportunity to convert or accept I don't know that you do. You're supposed to have Jesus. done that beforehand. If you didn't do it in your life, I don't think you get the opportunity to do it in death. I don't know. I'm a little rusty From evangelicals, on, on my like book of Revelation. I need to go reread it. Catholics believe that. Evangelicals, not so much. Evangelicals are much more like, and if I'm wrong, you guys can email us. But, but anyway, the point is the yeah. right-wing love of Israel and the Jews is, is horribly cynical any way you slice it. And not true. And the, <laughs> I have to laugh about this because it's crazy. I think the other day the Anti-Defamation League came out and um, basically... Just like the Jewish NAACP. Yeah, yeah. They condemned Trump's statements against the four congresswomen. And then right. this right-wing group came out and called the ADL anti-Semitic. Right. What, what do you do at that point? Like, what? just throw up your hands. And well, and that was the point of this article I was reading was, like, this is on its face, like, if you've ever, like, met a Jewish person, they're all just like, no. <laughs> no. No. You can't be racist and then be, like, throwing anti-Semitism in everyone's faces, like... That's, but that's what's happening, and it's working. And like, even when I was talking to my dad the other night, he was saying something about um, Elon Omar being anti-Semitic, and he brought you up, and I was like, you don't get to do that. 
Oh, we have thunder, guys. The dogs are very, very scared. Oh, Lily, you're gonna be okay. Oh, sorry. Okay. Well, sorry, sorry scared, that. scared dogs because of, of thunder and lightning. Uh, he can talk to me about that if he wants. Yeah. But he won't. It doesn't. I don't know. You guys hear that? I'm sure. So we had to uh, take a quick break there because the uh, lightning and thunder were that close. I didn't really want us to get electrocuted. So yeah, got a little to, nuts around <laughs> here. <laughs> had to unplug everything, and you know. But I hope you enjoyed the sound effects. <laughs> We're okay. The We're, dogs are not happy, but no, they're fine. They're recovering. They're still yeah. shivering. It's very loud. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so that was fun. Uh, but what we were saying, no, the anti-Semitic stuff, the charges against Ilan Omar and Democrats are specious and cynical, and I'm not going to dignify them, really. Okay. But uh, what sort of happened next was Trump, he disavowed it, the chant, and then he kind of walked it back. And then today, he's just full on like, nah, fuck it, it's fine. I'm not going to, you know. I didn't see any of this. Yeah, no, that's what he's kind of saying on Twitter. And he's, yeah, now he's basically defending it. And of course. So, well, of course. you know, all those, like, it was like Mitt Romney who was just waiting and waiting and waiting oh my for God. the president to, to, to say something. And right. Trump's like, and Romney's like, okay, he disavowed it, everything's fine now. And I'm like, right. how long do you think that's going to last? Why would you bother saying that? Right. Like in 12 hours, you're just going to look like an idiot for saying that. It's like all, they always have this wishful thinking with him, right? Like he says something ridiculous or terrible or racist. And then he gets forced into sort of walking it back. And everybody's like, he walked it back. It's fine. Moving on. And it's like, that never lasts. And then in like two minutes, he's like, I didn't mean to walk that back. I meant it. (laughs) I thought it was just fucking fine. Yeah. Of course we should send her back to... Somalia, I so guess. Do, do they, I guess the thinking is if a bunch of them say it at the same time, they think everybody tunes out and says, okay, well, this controversy is over. We're going to move on. I I guess. Like that's the plan? That's the idea? I think normalizing it is the idea. God. I think normalizing it and making it seem like a perfectly fine thing to have happened is the idea. That it's just left-right bickering? Yep. Yeah, no, they did that. That's what McConnell tried to do. He he stood up there. Uh, I forget. I think it was Wednesday or Thursday, and said, you know, these both sides are being so uncivil, and, sir. <laughs> well, you know, that's not really different from what Chuck Todd says. You know, for the most part. Yeah, they're all wrong. I know. I and we've talked about that, but uh, no, and we've talked about that, and it's important to point out. No, and we and we will. And, and, but like, it's not okay. And it's not normal, and it's not okay for him to have done that. And she is a naturalized U.S. citizen, and the other three are people who were born in this country and uh, go back to what? Well, let me talk about what Trump said. It was, I think, yesterday when he was taking off for Bedminster to play more fucking golf. Hmm. Um, He... He said, they hate our country, Mm -hmm. and the things they say are so disgusting, and Mm -hmm. they have, what did they say? They said, they've said America is garbage, and Americans are garbage, and I won't stand for that. And of course, none of them have said anything remotely close to that. They've been very critical of Trump. Yep. And. But he thinks he's America, baby. Right. So if you 
criticize him, then you're criticizing the country. But nobody, none of that press pool, the press pool did yell a bunch of questions at him, but none of them said, what what examples can you give? Now, he says like the Israel stuff, like they say horrible stuff about Israel, stuff that's so horrible I won't repeat it. Like, right, because okay, I don't okay. know what it is <laughs> no, of course to repeat. Not. You can't remember it doesn't what, exist. what it was. Well, it doesn't exist is why. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's the stuff Omar said about the Benjamins, which is really just referring to Netanyahu. But we moved past that. She apologized. You know, she learned a thing. She learned a thing. But the other stuff where he's like, these people say America's garbage and they hate the country. None of them press him for like, what are you talking about? What are the examples? When did they do that? That didn't happen. That what didn't are you talking happen. about? Mm-hmm. No, they just let it go. And so it's sort of tacit. So then my dad watches Fox News. And he goes, oh, they hate America. He's like, oh, well, that's terrible. Of course. President said it. Nobody said he was wrong. So it must be true. Let me talk about the illogic for a second, especially with Omar, (coughs) of this charge that this foreign weird person hates America. Is like, there's, is there nothing more debunking of that idea than serving in the fucking U.S. House of Representatives? Right. Like... She, right. Her literal job is to uphold the Constitution. Now, you can disagree and say she's doing a bad job of it, and you don't like her as a politician. Do you know what she used to do before that? She lives in Michigan. That's the district. Minnesota. Minnesota. She and her dad, before she was elected to Congress, used to go around and educate people about Islam mm-hmm. in a way that it was a really scary time for America and people didn't understand the Muslim religion and Islamic people at all. And so she and her dad went to basically like self-made town halls and they confronted really aggressive white people who called them terrorists and wondered why they wanted to kill Americans. And her and her dad stood there and explained as calmly as possible in an incredible calmness that I don't know that I could muster in that situation. That in fact, no, that is not what their religion stood for. That is not what Islamic people were about. That that was not at all, in fact, what they were about. And she did that for years. Mm-hmm. And you With know what? the exact same head wrap that she has now mm-hmm. to a bunch of white people. And it she, worked. yeah, it worked. Now, not on everybody. It worked. But on enough of those formerly grouchy, scared white people to go, oh, you know what? They elected her to Congress. Yeah. And her district is not all black people or Somali refugees. There's lots of white people. Yes. Lots of them. But she reached out to that community to be like, I know this is really scary. And I understand that you're scared. Here's what we're about. And like, here's what these people that are coming for asylum are about. When it's not what you think. And you can ask me really gross, disgusting questions that are incredibly insulting, and I would want to punch every one of those white people in the face. And she was just like, okay, good question. Let me explain. That's not what our religion is about. That's not what I'm about. That's not what your neighbors are about. So these people that think she can't handle Trump and that she's going to shrink from this. No. Because that was what a lot of people thought. Like, oh, well, now he's going to make her irrelevant. All of them. No. And you're like, have you met these women? (laughs) I mean, look, there was a time in which women who wanted to be involved in politics had to do a certain amount of groveling and had to do a certain amount of sort of kowtowing and and apologizing. And these are not those women. 
and my generation and the one directly below me just aren't going to do that and aren't yeah. having any of it. And it's because we get to stand on the shoulders of the women who did have to do that, yeah. that we get to not do it. But don't expect them to do it because it's just not going to happen. And she could be more demure and sort of hang back and just play for sympathy and play the <laughs> shrieking violet. But she gets out there. She isn't going to do and that. And she says, no, this president is, is he sucks. <laughs> just, she doesn't use those terms, though. That's what Trump would say. Uh, this president is incompetent and and he should be impeached and he's terrible for this country and it's like yeah well she came back and literally said yeah send me back to congress where i was elected that's where i'm going period yeah. that was the end of her statement which was like yep that's right there's no more kowtowing there is no more Oh, well, the men are in charge, so we better, like, figure out how to work with... No, 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 And that's no, another thing no, that all these, no. all these savvy pundits keep saying is, well, you know, what, what, what's dangerous for Democrats this year is she might become the face of the Democratic Party. Good. And wouldn't that be terrible? Good. And if it is, if they're right, then fuck it. Like, you know, what do you want? I am perfectly fine with her being the face of the Democratic so Party. So am I. We need more of those faces in the yep. party. So am I. It's fine with me. She can be the face of it. She can be like, look, I was elected. My constituents want these, you know, certain things that I campaigned on. And that's what I'm here to do. Yeah. And the rest of the party can fall in line or go by the way of the dinosaur. Yeah. That's it. We're done with y'all. We're done. And I know Greg gets mad, but like, I'm done. I'm not having it. I'm not going to insist that these women what apologize for existing that we might alienate some never trumpers who if that's true they're not going to vote for him anyway right cuz they're never trumpers yeah so well, who are we alienating uh, Gre exactly Greg and I had this conversation yesterday and then Tom Nichols who's one of the big checkmark never trump guys sort of jumped in and took my quote and ran with it <laughs> that um, I what I said was look these never trumpers are more than welcome to join the resistance but I'm kind of sick of them wagging their finger at us and yeah. saying the only way to win is if you, if you become GOP light and it's like no we're never going to do that we're not and why should we and if you're never Trump then okay you know what that is that that that's the equivalent to me of um, white people yelling at black people saying you need to fix the racism problem. Right. So, no. no. We didn't make this problem. No, you we did. didn't create this problem. You, you did. did. So you fix it. You don't like him? You think it's a disgrace to your party that he's your president? You think that people who surround him and, and prop him up are a disgrace? Yeah. I'm with you. I agree. And again, the galling, the galling lack Fucking of fix it. It's not my job. You fix it. You created it. You fix it. The galling lack of self-reflection, it really gets me. Very few of them acknowledge their part in helping build this. Very few. Yeah. And it, very fleeting. You know, once in a while you'll see, oh, well, maybe we went too far. Maybe we didn't speak up enough. But it's not our fault, basically. is. It's really black people and women. They didn't vote enough. Yeah, right. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. Black yeah. people and women just didn't vote in large enough numbers. To say, That's say, on the left, too. Oh, yeah. I hear that shit all the time, and I'm like, go fuck yourself. 
Well, I go my, fuck yourself. My, my we voted different. just fine. My approach is different. My approach is not to blame them. It's to we need to pump up that base and get as many of them out there instead of chasing these middling white sort of never Trump people. That's my argument. You know, from that angle, not to point fingers and blame them, but to say, let's give them a reason to be excited and come out and vote other than the obvious that Trump is awful. Right. Like, I think that's how we win. That's the, my fundamental difference of opinion with like Greg, who's like, we win this by getting all these squishy white people who are in the rust belt and they don't like Trump, but, you know, they're scared of socialism. We need to coddle. We need to appeal to them. And I'm like, no, we got to get more young people and people of color out. They're, 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 they're already uh, young people. I'll, I'll be with you on. Right. Like young people need to fucking vote. But in terms of, like, people of color, like, no. They're fine. They're voting in astronomical numbers as compared to white people. Sure. When they can. Yeah. Um, and I don't disagree with Greg that, like, you should all, white men listening to this, should be more militant with your white male counterparts in talking about this stuff to make them vote differently because that is the majority of the people who vote and the people who voted Donald Trump to be the president. And I agree that like, I, I'm not asking you to say, well, we can give up on X, Y, and Z. I'm saying fucking radicalize these people, make them understand the situation we're living in. And maybe that's not realistic. I don't know, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I will never be in a place where I'm like we should we should give a little bit we should we should you know tone ourselves down so that we can appeal to people who voted for Donald Trump I will never be in that position in my entire life Look, no some Trump voters are unreachable absolutely right? there was this, of course this story floating around I think earlier this week or maybe last week about the lady who they uh, she was caught up with like with ice chasing her and threatening to deport her mm-hmm. and she was a I think a naturalized citizen and she voted for Trump and they're like, well, what are you going to do now? Oh, I'm still going to vote for Trump. Like, I might get deported, but, you know, I'm still going to vote for Trump because something, something tax cuts. Like, those crazy people, yeah, well, we're not going to Well, tax cuts aren't going to help. I don't even know if that can be true. It is true. No, it is, this was a big, reputable All right. source. And, All right. Yeah, this is a real okay. person. Okay. Now, it may be a crazy outlier, you know, I think person, that's true. But my point is there are Trump voters that cannot be reached. Absolutely will not, cannot be reached. And then, of course, those are the people that the media thinks are the only people and the most important people, right? It's right. the people in the diner and the base, the white conservative evangelical base. They're the only people that matter. They're the, quote, real Americans. And we, you know, they're the ones that need to be courted and cared about. And it's all about their opinion. Like, we've basically stopped in this country talking about uh, black voters and how they feel and what they want. A little bit in terms of the Democratic primary, like mm-hmm. Kornacki here is talking about. But mm-hmm. uh, other than that, when's the last time you saw a front page New York Times thing about what, how the black voters feeling? Like they're just completely taken for granted and just not cared about. It's all about Bob in the diner in Sheboygan. It's all about the coal miner. It's all about – it's like – Well, it's all the media trying to figure out how the fuck we got here. It's what they've been doing for two years is – how the fuck did we get here? How did we get here? Well, you know, and there's they're doing ways to look at a that. really bad job of figuring that out because they refuse to look at the singular piece of evidence that seems to me the most evident, which is 
Donald Trump is a racist, and he allows racism to exist amongst the voters who were already racist, but felt bad about it, or felt like they needed to be like ashamed of it. And, that and they don't need to, to anymore. Yes. And so now they can just be racist out loud. And I think it appealed to a lot of people's subconscious bias. Yes. And, you know, we like, we had that conversation with my dad back in summer of 2016. Yep. Where he's like, well, I'm not going to vote for Trump. But when he's up there and he's talking about making yep. America great again, there's yep. something. There's something about that, it. There's something that clicks with me. Appeals to me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like. like Dad, it's racism. And he's, no, 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 that's not. That's it. not yeah, what it it's is. It. No, it is, though. It's my dad's sub- the same way. It's subconscious. Yeah. It's subconscious. It's not really like. I don't recognize it, but it is that. And that is what allows, that is what allows those suburban white people who don't think of themselves as racist to go into the voting booth and vote for Trump and not feel bad about it. Right. Now, Trump makes it much harder for them to do that when he pulls the shit he pulled this week. Just if we're going to get cynical and just purely political, which is why I think these assholes are wrong every time they say, well, this might actually work for Trump. No, it never works for Trump. Now, it's fleeting and it doesn't last. Like, if there was an election the week after Charlottesville, he would have lost by 10 points, right? Right. But then people forget and move on. Right. Which white people forget and move on. Like, people like Sorry. us and people of color do not forget and move on from Charlottesville, yeah. right? Right. Like, wh- why, uh, you know, a month after Charlottesville, when everybody was horrified when he said there were, you know, there's fine Nazis out there, why a month later are they like, well, I guess that's okay. Like... Right. We could dissect that for a million years, but the point is, no, it never helps him when he does this. Right. The vast and overwhelming majority of Americans do not agree with that kind of shit. But there is that base, right? Well, the, the white people don't care about it enough because they're well, for they, sure. They right? find it distasteful for a few weeks and then they move on. But they also find it distasteful in a way that makes them feel uncomfortable. Right. And exactly. the one thing that white people can't tolerate is feeling <laughs> uncomfortable. Right. Feeling uncomfortable is a thing that is like as bred into us as anything else. Feeling uncomfortable is a thing that we cannot do. Can we stop feeling uncomfortable? Will always be the go-to of every white person regardless of whether or not they find themselves in a position where they might be racist or not. Exactly. And here's a perfect dichotomy. When Trump says Make America great again. We know that means make America white again. Yes. But to these these suburban whites, yeah, that they could say, well, no, that does not what that means. I'm going to go in and vote for him, and it's fine, and I don't feel like a racist. No, because I'm just talking about when my parents were kids, yes. and it was nice back but, then. But when Trump says he's sitting in front of a big crowd and they're saying send her back, thought, ooh, that is, yeah, that's problematic. That, that makes, makes me, me feel, feel really uncomfortable. Can we yeah. stop talking about it? Would that be better? Maybe we just don't talk about that that happened. And he said he he said he didn't like it. He said. He said on TV, I didn't like that. Okay, let's move on. That made me feel really uncomfortable. But then he doesn't let them move on. But you know what? Something else will distract him in a week, and he won't be talking about them anymore. And, and they will be talking about something else. You know? And, and we don't forget. But that they is the point. Is they... They is those white suburban voters who do not like that that happened mm-hmm. and really desperately want any excuse to forget that it did. Yeah. Because it's very uncomfortable. They know that the president is a racist. And they don't want that to be true, but if you can make them not have to worry about it for a minute, they will just not worry about it. 
you're absolutely right. And the same thing with him being a misogynist or a yes. potential rapist. Yes. Like in the moment, I wouldn't let my kids hang out with him, my daughters, my wife, any woman I've ever known, ever. But anyway, what's going on with Iran? Right. Because it's too uncomfortable to imagine that you live in a world where the president is that person. And so can we just not talk about it? Is that an option? Because that's what we like to do as white people is just not fucking talk about it. Oh, just yeah. like, let's yeah. not talk about that. That's really I uncomfortable. Mean, you hate to stereotype anyone, but yeah. I don't hate Uncom- to stereotype white people. Uncomfortable it's, topics come up oh. at parties or... And they just, you could see them. Oh, no, let's not talk about this. this I was so literally at this event for work. And uh, one of my coworkers brought up that there's going to be a Pocahontas live action, live action movie. movie. Great. Can't wait for that. And one of my coworkers who knows me pretty well just looked at me and she was like, oh, no. And I just looked at her and I was like, can you imagine what my opinion about Pocahontas is going to be? And she was like, don't. And I was like, don't what? And she's like, don't tell the truth. No, no. And then I was like, what? That she was a 14-year-old sex slave that was kidnapped by colonizers. And there was some fucking romance story about how she was in love with her fucking kidnapper. Yeah, let's make a live action movie about that. And then everyone was just like, "Mm." So what she's saying, don't. She's saying, don't don't make make everyone uncomfortable. uncomfortable with the truth. I'm not telling a lie here. I'm not trying to imagine a story. I wish that story wasn't true. But you want to talk about Pocahontas. Okay. You think I'm excited about this? You think I'm excited about a live action? Who's going to play her? Probably a white woman. And she'll fall in love with John goddamn Smith. That'll be the story of Pocahontas live action style. And to that end, there's more than a decent chance Elizabeth Warren will be the nominee. And Trump will say Pocahontas 8,000 times. And for those of us who know better... Whatever problem she she had, and she, it was problematic for her with the DNA test and stuff, and we'll get into that at some point probably again. But when he says Pocahontas, well then, now, now what? Right. Being uncomfortable is hard, but as white people, you gotta get fucking used to it because you should be uncomfortable all of the time. Speaking of being uncomfortable, and I hate to only give this a couple minutes because we're out of time and we're going to have to get into it a lot more, is you might notice that all over this great country of ours, there's record heat waves and people Mm -hmm. sweltering and dying in the heat and crazy storms and floods and enough, more than enough now that, that some people are starting to get back off from their whole well this always happens thing and be like no this is kind of fucked up this is kind of fucking crazy yeah Yeah. and uh, about five or ten years ago you might remember a lot of climate scientists saying expect more record heat waves and catastrophic heat events and catastrophic storms and floods and hurricanes and things like this to become the new normal and that is now happening Mm -hmm. and we are still Debating whether climate change exists. Sort of quietly, more Republicans are, are kind of now twisting it to, oh, no, no, it's real, but we can't, you know, we, we got to... do we do about it, though? What, yeah. Ugh. Ugh. It seems like a lot of regulation, and I don't know how I feel about that, but, like, it probably is a thing, and it's sort of hard to deny it's a thing, but so now what? And yeah, we're like, so, hi, now what? We've been talking about it for decades. What now? <laughs> so let's do it now. 
And now we're we're way past how do we prevent it? It's it's over. Now it's mitigation. Like if yeah. we take some dramatic steps in the next twelve years, we might be able to mitigate it to a point where it's not like Waterworld with Kevin Costner. Right. Like we literally all die. That that's kind of where we are. So uh, I don't completely underestimate that. It's not being talked about enough. Certainly in the Democratic primary yet. I hope we get there. Everybody's talking about healthcare, which is important. Yes, but good luck getting swimming to your doctor. Right. Okay. Right. All right, that's about going to do it for us okay. this week. Uh, we really do need to do like a whole climate change episode. We need to do more than one a week, probably. But <sighs> yeah, we'll so figure all, out if that's possible. All the free time we have. <laughs> all right. All right, uh, everybody. I've been Travis. I'm Rachel. Find us on Twitter at Irreverent Duo, Reverend Testimony at gmail.com. Uh,